They're prominent, they're successful, and some are more than a little controversial. They're real South Africans on face-to-face with success. Brought to you by real people with real solutions. Nashua, saving you time, saving you money, putting you first. You're listening to Face to Face with Success. I'm Nikki Webikicha. The lights came up. We pulled a little curtain with the hand and the king called me in the first scene when we had a good only viewer. Mm. It's something that's in the center of your soul that suddenly says, yes, this is it. That's the certainty, clarity of mind and sense of purpose John Gunny felt the day he performed on stage in Port Elizabeth 51 years ago. It was his first ever speaking role, and that was a eureka moment for him. As the newest member of the acting troupe, the Serpent Players, landing the part was unexpected but fortuitous. That's when it began. Mm. We were doing a play in 1965, Antigone, by Sophocles. Mm. And the play was already being rehearsed, so I didn't have a part. So I was stage manager, front of house, <laughs> uh, uh, prompt yeah. with the script. I was everything, put a little banner. And there was an, an actor who played the second most important role, the son of the king, was Ushakum Kukul, Tishar. He never knew his lines. <laughs> Prompting him, it, I had to learn his part in order to prompt him without going to the script. By so doing, I knew the entire play, so everybody depended on me. Whenever there was a line, they would look at me, and I would give it because I knew the play. We were going to have one performance at St. Stephen's Church all on a Saturday. It was the Thursday we come to rehearsal. Shaq doesn't come. Shaq was arrested, detained disappeared, we saw Shark seven years later, mm. sent to Robben Island, PAC. Mm. So there was a discussion in the group, mm. we're performing Saturday, mm. who's going to play Shark's role, Haymon? Mm. There was a hierarchy in the Serpent Players, the guys who've been there before us took all the nice parts. Mm. There was a part for a soldier who just says, hail. <laughs> so now people say, no, John can do that one. So with an effects who did that, will do this part. part. Umaligan who did that, will do this. And then, uh, um, George said, then there's four of us learning new lines. John knows the lines. Why doesn't John, why John just play the, the, the son of the king? No, he has no experience. She and just joined us. What are you talking about? And then suddenly, George, who was big and big stomach, he says, no, no, no. There's a scene where I have to come in carrying my son because in the play I kill myself because my father had sentenced my fiancé to death for breaking the law of the state. I said, no, I think John should play the part because I can carry him. <laughs> so I got the role. My first speaking role as an actor, because one man was arrested, sent to Robben Island for seven years, and because I was very thin then, that the lead actor preferred me because he could carry me. <laughs> so that's when I got my first speaking role. I invited my mom, I invited my aunts, I invited everybody in my street and my ex-Newell high school, the thing I needed to show off. Mm-hmm. 
The fact that my, most of my friends, Bani Pichana, people like um, Jamba, people like Noyo, people like uh, Dr. Pemba, who passed away, had gone to Forte, it, I felt there was something. Yeah. And, and I couldn't achieve without having gone to university. The seed of storytelling had been planted by his grandmother. As a little boy, he would spend his time entertaining friends with all sorts of capers. What would happen is that the white inspectors would visit our schools. Miss Nzingo, who was our English teacher, was um, expected to do a little presentation for Inspector Homond. Mm. Inspector Omond, yeah. And mine was to recite a Shakespeare sonnet. This was to prove that the quality of the education given to the native child. So mine was, love is not love which alters when alteration finds or bends with a remover to remove. Oh no, it is an ever-fixed mark. And the Inspector White would applaud because ordinarily you would say fixed. Mm. It's fixed because of the iambic pentameter yes. to get to the end of the line. Mm -hmm. Or I would then walk around that uh, pretty little girls <laughs> and say, shall I compare thee to a summer's days that art more fair? Still and they would works. look at me. <laughs> Education was an aspiration for John and his family and not being able to attend Forte University to study law as planned was a blow for him. His father had spent his last savings on the legal defence of his uncle, who was later imprisoned on Robben Island for his anti-apartheid activities. And you know, as a young man, you stand there and suddenly you realise, this is it. All I have is a metric certificate with an exemption and nothing. But then I refused. I said, this is not it. I'm destined for a little more. I don't know yet what it is, but it's got to be a little more than this. In high school, he had met Winston Jonner, whom he would go on to partner with on many of their award-winning plays along with Athol Fugard. These plays, like Caesar Banzi is Dead and The Island, mirrored and shone a light on the injustices of apartheid. Ghani mesmerized audiences around the world and won several awards. But it also brought him under the scrutiny of the state. He was jailed harassed and survived an assassination attempt after being stabbed several times. While he was fated around the world, even boasting a Tony Award, this meant little to his father, who didn't understand nor accept his chosen craft. I came back and I walked in. I used to buy my father a, a, a litre of duty-free red hot rum. And he was sitting with his friends mm. in the late 70s, in fact, early 80s, he said, Guys, this is my son, John Gunny, the actor. He died three months later. Such a remarkable moment Ask for me, you. what is the highlight in my career? Is that moment. When he finally could form the word actor in his mouth and introduce me to his friends, this is my son, the actor, John Gunny. What then is the definition of success for someone who has been doing what he loves for over 50 years? It's the passion to succeed. The eternal and perpetual pursuit of perfection. To always want to do it just a little better than yesterday. 
It's the vision of the journey. I know where I'm going, and I knew that in 1970. I knew that. Once we wrote Caesar Barnes is Dead, and we went first time came to Joburg, and I thought, that's it. Now I know. I know I am destined to stand on the stages of the world, and all I could hear, applause, it was a standing ovation, and maestro, maestro, bravo. What I wasn't clear then, what is it I'm doing? <laughs> I'm aware that I'm on the stage, but I'm not clear what is it I'm doing. The, the idea of being clear in your mind what you want from life, what you demand from life, what you know is your due and you deserve it and you can work hard to achieve it. Achieving it is very, very easy is the discipline of maintaining it. Mm. And this is where the biggest challenge is because it then uh, involves selection and choice. Sometimes you get these choices and things that come to you because of a tiny little success at the beginning of your journey. You've got to be able to quickly analyze, this does not speak to me. This does not enhance who I am. This does not add to the quality of the work and life I want to live. This does not promote me as a serious artist. This is a distraction. And those are the most beautiful ones and the dangerous ones are the distractions. As we end our conversation inside the theatre which bears his name at the Market Theatre, I can't help but think how proud Dr. John Gani's father would have been. For new artists, Ghani urges them to remember their role in society. 2014, I wrote my la- the latest play, which is running now, called Missing, which is again a man who was part of this struggle, part of this movement, part of this organization. For 30 years, the Bible, the Testament, was the Freedom Charter. He comes to South Africa, he sees what's going on. He's amazed at how far we've moved away from the things we stood for, the things we were prepared to die for, some of us died for, some of us were hanged in, in jails for, some of us still refused to come back to this country, and yet now the greed, the materialism, the, the position mongering, the power thing is worse than Julius Caesar, it's worse in, in Shakespeare, it's worse than Kai's poems and all. This is what frightens me, is how have we moved so far to be exactly where we were before 1990? Except the oppressor is not white. The oppressor looks like me. Actually, the oppressor is my brother. I almost want to do a brain operation to ask inside, when did you lose the line? Remember we made the promise? Remember we put it in our heart? I carry 11 stab wounds in my body as I'm talking to you, and I would have died happy for the liberation of this country. I spent time in detention, a six by four cell. What kept me alive was the noble goal I wanted to achieve, the liberation of this country. How the hell do I now have a responsibility to liberate it again? From who now, from what? Why are the kids out of school with saying, 
we demand what was promised in the in, in, in the freedom charter the doors of learning and culture shall be open to all there shall be free education for those who cannot afford it how can women still be talking about women abuse and women marginalization in all spheres of life including the economy how can we talk about police force that looks like the Gestapo that is within us and investigating us and always being used by those in power to character assassination and destroy us you've been listening to face to face with success i'm nikki webigicha they're prominent they're successful and some are more than a little controversial they're real south africans on face to face with success brought to you by real people with real solutions nashua saving you time saving you money putting you first find more real success stories at the solutions lab.co.za